Welcome to the Bird's Eye View Podcast. I'm Jeff McLean of the Philadelphia Inquirer here along with Zach Berman, also of the Philadelphia Inquirer. And Zach, uh, the Eagles are weak in the training camp, and uh, I think we got a little bit of a better indication on on certain positions and how those uh, battles are going to shape out. But again, the number one story remains Carson Wentz and, and how he is progressing. Um, when we last spoke on Sunday, Sunday he the Eagles had started to scale back on him. And now we've now seen four straight practices in which he has not participated in team drills. Uh, Carson and Doug Peterson spoke on Wednesday, and Doug Peterson said, you know, this is all part of the plan. But I think Carson indicated that, uh, you know, you were actually there for the press conference, a controlled environment. Yep. The Eagles don't want to have him uh, get hurt. They don't want to have, you know, any unnecessary contact. Uh, there was a play on Saturday, we spoke about it, you know, which uh, he almost got sandwiched in between two defensive linemen. And I think that probably had an influence on their decision to kind of to hold him back a little bit here. Yeah, and I actually thought Carson explained it much better than Doug Peterson did. I did, did. Too. <laughs> No, 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 than, than Doug Peterson. Doug kept saying it's part of their plan. They're encouraged by what they saw, and I believe that. But, but Doug didn't want to make it seem like it was a reaction to anything that happened on the right, field. Right, right. And, uh, and even though Carson didn't say that explicitly – Controlled environment was what was what Carson repeated, and it's it's clear that the that because Carson's not cleared for contact, which which he said, they don't want to put him in a situation like you mentioned where there's a body on the ground or there's a chance that he could accidentally get hit. He's 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 not cleared for that. Um, so I, I think when he's out there, they want to make sure there's no one anywhere close to him. Is I think that fair with, to say? Yeah, and I think with Doug, you had to kind of read in between the lines. Like, he started to say, you know, I, I'm good with him. I've seen enough. Yeah. And I think that's what – I think that's – if he if he continued with that thought, I think that's where he – that's what's behind this. It's almost like they've seen enough. They saw him participate in almost all of practice on Saturday. They're like, okay, we're good. Yeah, from a performance perspective. I, I think they feel confident that if Carson's cleared to play, they can put him in there week one. Right. I, I, I still think the question's going to be whether the doctors – clear him and that's i i really genuinely think that's the only thing in the way it's not like he can get cleared but doug says you know what he's not ready to play he's rusty right i really think it's gonna be a medical call at this point right and it does put kind of practice and camp all into perspective too i mean it's important these guys gotta come out here they gotta work on a bunch of different things but it's almost like man Carson doesn't have to practice for at all. Well, Nick Foles didn't practice <laughs> last year, you know, and he didn't play in the preseason. Right. Was hurt all. And then Carson oh, yeah. two years ago, yeah, missed, so missed three preseason games. I think training camp matters for guys trying to make the team, but like Alshon Jeffrey, Brandon Graham, they're not out there, and they don't need to be out there. Like you can put them in the lineup week one, and I think they'll be fine. Yeah, and I think obviously the same applies to Carson. Exactly. Um, you know, is he going to be as sharp as? Is maybe he'd be if, if he had practiced every single day. Maybe not, but I think it's going to be um, to the naked eye, not noticeable. And especially because there's so much continuity. Uh, I mean, Doug Peterson's calling the plays. It's not like they have a whole new offense for him to learn. And then his targets are it's Zach Ertz and Alshon Jeffrey, Nelson Aguilar. I mean, they added pieces. They added Mike Wallace and Dallas Goddard. But for the most part, Carson's guys are here. And, and I, just to be clear, too, I don't think this is a physical setback. Yeah. This is, you know, he's been out there doing um, everything else uh, in terms of drills. He's still going through rab- rehab periods on a separate field under the eye of a trainer. But from what I can see, there really yeah. there is there are no limit physical limitations no. to what he's doing. I mean, some some people are saying he's still running with a slight hitch. 
I don't really kind of see it. I think you have to be looking for that. I think you really have to be thinking, yeah, um, or, or as you mentioned, looking looking for it. Um, but they play a regular season game five weeks from tonight, and I would still guess he's going to be out there. Yeah, I agree with you. I think barring a setback or barring some sort of information that, that we're not um, privy to, I think Carson Wentz is going to be starting on, on September 6th. And I keep hearing the argument that he's the quarterback long-term and they don't want to rush him. Uh, but I, I I don't think it's going to be that kind of decision. Like, I, I don't think there's going to be a scenario where Carson Wentz is cleared and they don't play him because they want to be cautious. I think it's it's binary here. If he's cleared, he's playing. If he's not cleared, he's not playing. What do you make of the argument from Summer? Just like, you have Foles, he's healthy. Put him out there for one or two games. And you, you know, you might win those games. I don't like that argument. And don't push Carson at all. First off, I, I think... I know, you know who yeah. doesn't like that argument? Who? Carson Wentz. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great point. Uh, I think it's a slippery slope when you do that. I think you're... He, your starting quarterback is your starting quarterback. When he's healthy, he plays. Uh, to me, it's 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 that simple. And I think there's the possibility of opening up a can of worms. If Nick Foles looks like the Super Bowl MVP in the first two games, um, I mean, do you sit him? Do you? So that's that's the scenario. So I I think you take the decision out of the head coach's hands. You put it in the medical and training staff's hands. If they're okay with him playing, he plays. How do you think Foles has looked? Not oh, uh, he's he, never been a good he, practice player. Exactly, and, and it's interesting. I asked Nick. No, he's about not bad. That. No, he's he he doesn't look like he did against the Patriots. No, he doesn't look like you know Matt McGloin last year. But he's. Uh, I'm sorry, Matt, <laughs> if you're listening. Um, I don't think he's listening. But I, but no, I asked Nick about practice versus playing, and and he said that you know there's an element when that you want to be a gamer, and I think and Nick has said this. He's best. When he's he's just um, playing free, not having to think so much, not kind of that structured environment, so to speak. Uh, he he wrote in his book that when he watched the film from 2013 compared to those week 16, week 17 games of, of last year, what stood out to him was how free he was playing uh, so in in 2013. So I think Nick's better when you know the lights are on and he's in a game. I don't think he's been awful, but I certainly don't think he's looked like he was playing against the Patriots defense. Yeah, and again, uh, you can't make too much of it this far into his career. You like to see him a little sharper. Uh, but again, as you mentioned earlier, he wasn't even practicing yeah. through most of training camp last year. Also, talking to people, they keep saying, this defense is good. Like like Mike Rowe said that too when I asked about Nick's performance. He said, you know, the the guys Nick's playing against are really good, and, and that has stood out that this defense is good. Well, that's a good segue, and I think you probably were kind of teaming up there. I, I, I wasn't, but as I, I saw your face lighting up as uh, I said it, and I was like, all right, that's good radio uh, or podcasting. Right. So, I mean, I think the entire unit has played well, defensive unit has played well, but the one position that has stood out has been cornerback. Mm-hmm. And you have not been able to say that over the previous no. years of this team. In fact, probably not in almost a decade. Um, is this 10 years for you covering the team? Yeah, it's my 10th year. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think I've seen a, a group with as, with, with as much um, young depth. Mm-hmm. You know, the first year I covered him was Asante and Sheldon Brown. That was a still pretty good tandem of cornerbacks. And Yosilio Hansen was the slot. Yeah. We were solid at the time. But the Eagles now have three young guys, and Jalen Mills, Ronald Darby as the outside, primary outside mm-hmm. guys, and Sidney Jones for the most part in the slot. And all three have played well, I yeah. think. Um, and Rasul Douglas has played well as the fourth guy. Douglas has been has been good too, and Devontae Bosby. Yeah, 
has, you know, since the spring we've been writing about him and talking about how much uh, of an impression he's made. And beyond that, you have you have a few other guys. DJ Killings, I think, can play in yeah. the league. Avante Maddox was a fourth-round pick. Yeah, Roberts. Was it Stephen Roberts is his name? Yeah, from Auburn. He's yeah. not bad either. And then they have uh, Sullivan. The, the Sullivan guy. Yeah, he's Shannon not bad. Sullivan. Like, they're not yeah. bad. Like, yeah, like there's been years past. You're like, oh, my God, this guy's getting roasted all the time. But um, that, Curtis that, Marsh is not out there. Curtis, Curtis Marsh yeah. was a third-round pick. Right, you know. Bring sorry. Tom Brady <laughs> back here yeah. for another inter-squad practice and have him try and beat. Who? Shannon Sullivan. She's in Sullivan <laughs> now. Um, sorry for listening, Curtis. I'm kidding. But yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah, inter-squad practices in 2013. Tom Brady just kind of roasted, roasted uh, Curtis Marsh for an entire set. I think it was like four straight passes. He got beat. Uh, but, you know, that does – it's it's nice that you bring up uh, – or appropriate that you bring up Curtis Marsh because those are the type of players that the Eagles had here mm-hmm. and they were like getting significant reps sometimes with the first or second team. And now you have Jones and you have uh, Mills and you have Darby and then you get Russell Douglas who, who yesterday got some reps with the first team. Um, I, you and I have talked about this before. We think it's going to shake out that Mills and Darby will probably still be the starting guys. But when they go nickel, Mills, and we saw this today a little bit, Mills will go into the slot and, and Dar- uh, yep. excuse me, Jones, Sidney Jones will be on the outside. And that's a pretty strong uh, threesome of cornerbacks. I agree. And to follow up on on what you were saying about this being the best you've seen, uh, what stands out to me is is how much they've overhauled it in such a short period of time. 24 months ago, when Jim Schwartz became defensive coordinator, none of these guys were on the roster. You know, And then they drafted Jalen Mills, but Jalen Mills is the only one left from yeah. their first year. Yeah. So uh, all these guys were added in, in the past – calendar year i think darby was acquired august 12th last year um obviously jones and 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 douglas were in the draft last year uh so they completely overhauled it and and whatever they were doing in terms of evaluating cornerbacks now i think it's better and i've i've said this i think darby is going to play better than you saw last year jalen mills is, is one of these guys who just keeps exceeding expectations going from like a rotational player to a solid starter or to a starter. And now you wonder, can he be a top? I don't think he's going to be an elite no. cornerback, but, but, but can he be one of the better cornerbacks in the NFL? And I don't think that's out of the question. Well, yeah. And then I, but I do, and I'll be the devil's advocate now. Um, look, we watched a lot of them last year where they did not perform well, certainly in the Super Bowl, uh, There were games mm-hmm. when Darby looked terrible. Um, I think some of that had to do with the fact that he wasn't here for the full year. And, um, was injured, yeah, as as well. And Mills, you know, Mills Mills can get beat um, as well. Sure, but um, I also look at that. And but they're but they're competitors. But my, my thing is like those, I think they're good. Those are good cornerbacks. I don't think they're Pro Bowl yeah. cornerbacks, but they're good. You know, Sheldon Brown wasn't wasn't a Pro Bowl quarterback, although maybe one or two years he should have made it. Um, the guy of the, the of the three, the guy who has potential to be a lockdown number one guy is Sidney Jones. Absolutely, I agree with that. Um, you just see him out there. He runs better than those guys in terms of speed. Um, well, not Darby in terms of speed. No, Darby's faster. You're right. Darby is faster. Um, technically, though, I think he's probably better yeah. than, than all three of them. But you add the speed and, and that uh, and this component, uh, the technical component as well. And I think I think uh, I think Jones has the has the ability to be a Pro Bowl type Absolutely. cornerback, a number one corner. And the Eagles have not court. had that since Asante Samuel. And so Asante was an off corner. He's a little yeah. bit different. Cindy can get up in the line and bump sure. guys. He can play every way you want him to. I think. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, so that's obviously a positive uh, turn of events for the Eagles. Um, you know, another position, if we're going to stick on defense, defensive tackle, uh, and Zach, you're going to be writing about this tomorrow, so why don't you kind of fill in everybody on what's going on there yeah, I think beyond Fletcher Cox. I think it's an area of concern right now um, because Tim Jernigan has an injury that's somewhat mysterious in the sense that we don't know how long he's going to be out. We know there's herniated disc in his back. Um, we know he's not practicing. He's the only injured player who's not on the field. Yeah. Um, so Brandon Graham's out there. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey's out there. Tim Jernigan's not. Doug Peterson says he was in the locker room today. That's all. Yeah, but 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 not watching. Practice. No, I'm just saying. Like it's yeah. the first time I hadn't seen him for a entire week. And uh, and so he might not be ready week one. I I, I think you I need to operate under that assumption. Yeah. And then after that, Haloti Nada. They give him a, a day off today, but he would be that starter replacement. I think the Eagles look at him as more of a rotational guy. I don't think at this stage of Nada's career, he's playing major, major snaps. So then you look beyond him on the depth chart, and it's a lot of guys who are unproven. And Destiny Vio, who's not a household name, has been on the team the past two years, he's taken just about every first-team snap this summer. Uh, so he's the guy who I think is the next one up. Talking to players in the team, they, are, they like what he's done. They thought he was coming on last year before he had a wrist injury. Yeah. Uh, but still, Tim Jernigan and Bo Allen combined for over 80% of the snaps last season. Can Nada and Destiny Vio give you that? That's a quiet. I know they can bounce Michael Bennett and Brandon Graham inside. I think that's what's going to happen. But I think it's, it's a big question right now. I think they look at that and they say, okay, all we got to worry about more is rundowns. And we mm-hmm. have Nada for that. And we have Destiny to ship it in well. And I think Des- Destiny has actually played well during mm-hmm. camp. Yeah, then, yeah, that's what I keep hearing. And then on obvious passing yeah. downs, you'll probably see. I mean, Fletcher will be out there a fair amount, obviously. But you're going to see. A, you may see Bennett and Graham mm-hmm. together inside with two really? other ends on the outside. Yeah, yeah, you may see that NASCAR with, package. with Fletcher off the field. I mean, it may like a play here and there. My point is, like, you don't need a defensive tackle necessarily in there because you have two defensive ends that can both rush from the inside. I don't think it's going to happen a lot. I think Fletcher will be out there for the majority of the time on on pass plays. Um, But you have have that versatility with the defensive end, so I think they're probably a little more concerned on on rundowns. And you have Nada. You have Nada, um, and you have Fletch, and you have Destiny. They'll probably only go with three active defensive tackles on game days. Yeah, unless someone like Qualls or, or shit too. Qualls, really. yeah. I mean, you know, I don't know. I still haven't I seen enough either. out of either of those guys. You know, Bruce Hector is not a bad player. Okay, from South Florida. Yeah, keep an eye on him yeah. actually. Um, and then shit too, someone who they like, uh, Aziz shit too. And he's, yeah. he's gotten some work at, uh, close to, you know, with the second team. Yeah. Defense. Now the thing with Hector is he's he's like a one-gap penetrating guy mm-hmm. who, who I think he's been – better as a pass rusher than he is a run guy. So I don't know if that gives him a chance to make the roster. But there'll be a fourth defensive tackle that we may not have thought that would yeah. have made the team if Jernigan's going to start the season on pup. And I'll, I'll say this. Usually with the Eagles, you can kind of it's, – it's not always what they say. It's what they do that you, that you need to watch. And at defensive tackle, they haven't added anyone no. since the Jernigan news came out. No one, no one no, no, uh, noteworthy. Yeah. They, added, they added a couple – Bottom roster guys, but it's it's not like they went and signed a veteran. No. So I don't think they're significantly concerned about it. Even if Jernigan misses time, for the reason you mentioned, I think, and I know Jim Schwartz trusts his veteran players, and both Michael Bennett and Brandon Graham are guys he trusts. Haloti Nada, ten year, you know, a, a long time player in this league, very good, someone they trust, and and that's what we've seen year in year out with with, with Jim Schwartz here is that. 
if you're a veteran guy, he he trusts you out there. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're a guy who played in the league ten years, he always yep. talks about the ten years. Yes. There's a reason why you've played in the NFL for that long. Let's hop, let's bump over to the offensive side of the ball. And you know, one of the standout positions has been tight end. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, this offseason you lose Brent Selleck, you lose Trey Burton, two guys that were instrumental in the Eagles uh, run to the Super Bowl last year, and you're thinking, okay, what are they gonna do to fill those spots? And they went out first and signed Richard Rodgers, and they went and drafted Dallas Goddard with their first pick mm-hmm. in the second round. They have missed a beat uh, mm-hmm. in terms of receiving. Uh, Goddard is legit. I think he's going to be a good tight end. I don't know how good, but I think he's going to be a guy that's going to be on the field a fair amount. He's in year be, one. In year one. And Richard Rodgers is going to be on the roster. He's, yep. he's you know He makes the catches that are thrown to him. He's not super fast. Um, he's not known as a blocker. But to me, tight end is once again going to be a position that's going to be a focal point, certainly in the red zone. And they've changed it since a year ago in, in terms of the body types. That's actually Zach Ertz said right. the how how they're bigger this year. Um, and I, I I wrote a story in Thursday's paper. It's on Philly.com uh, on Dallas Goddard. But but one thing Doug Peterson said in there is they're adjusting kind of their two tight end sets to fit what he does. Trey Burton was a different player. Trey Burton six three two thirty five. Dallas Goddard's you know six five six six two fifty five. So so different body type. And I think it it allows them to do different things because Zach Ertz said that Zach Ertz, when he was on the field with Burton, Ertz would need to have his hand in the ground, and Burton was the move tight end. This year, they can maybe put Goddard in line and move Ertz around. Um, so there's different possibilities with two guys that big. Yeah. Um, Are you concerned about the lack of blocking? what they worked on blocking build uh, drills today, and I thought actually all three of them fared fairly, you know, fared well. Um, again, they're just drills. But Goddard's not – I don't think he's going to be this guy – you know, Ertz his first year could not block. Um, True. I think Goddard's going to be a little little better than that. Um, let's see how it plays out here. And They're facing a lot of safeties in those drills. I mean, he's yeah. going to have to face defensive ends. But there was a point in the, in the, pra- in the during team drills, um, f- first Michael Bennett just totally roasted him. And had a TFL drag somebody down the backfield. But then the next play, Goddard came back and I thought did a really good job. And that's what you're going to be asked to yeah. do as a tight end um, on rundowns. Is you're going to have to block a, a, a pretty good defensive end. In some cases, a great defensive end. The reality is, though, I think your two tight end set is going to be something that the Eagles like passing out of this year. Yeah. Um, and I think on, on obvious running plays, uh, and, and we talked about this on the sideline, they might go with an extra offensive lineman. And yeah, you'll see, yeah, you'll see Isaac Sayamala in the situation. And I think um, if there's a tight end out there and they want to have, you know, maybe give the uh, give defenses the idea that they may throw out of it, it'll be Ertz. I mean, yeah. Ertz, Ertz did a pretty good job run blocking last yeah. year. I mean, that San Diego game, he was huge um, on that uh, split zone run, that, that inside run they like to, and, to pull off. And the Eagles like running against, you know, the Eagles like running out of 11 personnel. When Aguilar's on the field, usually you have the other team in, in their nickel defense. It's a good formation to run against. Uh, so Right, it'll give yeah. them a more favorable matchup uh, in terms of who they have to block. And I, I, I think as we talk about two tight end sets, we need to give you credit. This isn't something that like started to become apparent during training camp. You wrote about this on draft night. That, waxing my uh, ego here? No, but this is something that, that you saw the Eagles were going to go in this direction, that even though they lost Burton and Selleck, who I think was important for them to add a tight end because they really like that formation and what that gives them. I mean, you get so many mashups 
mis- mismatchups or oh, this is what I'm looking for. Mismatches. Mismatches. Um, when it's you it's have, been a long week. When yeah. you have <laughs> when you have tight ends like Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard who were big and physical and fast and have great hands. Yeah. Like Goddard, it's one thing with Goddard. I've seen him drop one pass. I mean, That's what maybe, Carson, maybe said. Carson drops, said. Maybe he's dropped more than, than that, but I've only seen one since the spring. And Carson said he goes and gets the ball too. Yeah. yeah, so that's something that jumps out. There was one that uh, Sudfeld threw to him down the seam. He beat Nate Gary, and it was slightly, slightly behind him, and it was like nothing. He made it look really easy. He had a catch in the red zone yesterday. Sudfeld threw wide on him, one-handed it, brought yeah. it down. I mean, I think he's going to be a good tight end. I don't know if he's going to be Zach Ertz good, but he's going to be good. Well, Zach Ertz is going to be here for a long time. So I, I, I think that you'll see this combination for you know four or five years together. Yeah. Um, I guess one more thing uh, on the offensive line. I've written about uh, some of the guys down further on the depth chart, but I think like Matt Pryor, it's been pretty interesting to watch him uh, up close. In the spring, I wasn't really paying attention to him, and you really don't get a good idea of how good linemen are until they get the pads on. And to me, he's he's really impressed. Uh, he's a guy that no doubt um, this is the, he's this Eagles six round pick this year. Just no doubt will be on the team. Will be on the fifty three man roster. Um, and has the potential to be a future mm-hmm. starter. Who knows what, what pans out, but he's been very impressive. He's right now the second team right right guard. He's actually had a few reps with the first team, um, so keep an eye out for him. If you're wondering, about how, if you're wondering how Jordan Malata is doing, the seventh-round rookie, uh, the former rugby player, it's, it's, been, it's been tough. It's yeah. been tough for him. This is a guy who's never played in a football game in his entire life. Um, all of a sudden, he's being asked to block, you know, Derek Barnett or, you know, Josh Sweat or guys who've been around a long time, have been playing football a long time, and he's, he has struggled um, as well. Uh, what have you made of some of the uh, – I mean, offensive line set in terms of the starting mm-hmm. five. We know that. Um, what have you made of uh, Big V, Sayomalu, and then some of the rookies as well? Yeah, so what's interesting to me is is I agree with you on, on Matt Pryor, and does he jump in front of Chance Warmack? Um, because I asked that, yeah, and and also uh, on the day Brandon Brooks missed because of illness, uh, Chance Warmack was out there to begin with. Warmack jumped off sides, or, or or had a false start rather, yeah. and they pulled him off and put Pryor in. But as the Eagles make this fifty-three, you know Vitae's a lock. He was a starter in the Super Bowl. He's your backup offensive tackle, your swing tackle. Uh, so he's a lock to be on the team. You're saying Pryor's a lock. I, I feel that way, too. Sixth-round pick, someone they're developing. Sayamala's a lock. You think Sayamala's a lock? Yeah, I do. Okay, because he can play all. You know, he can play tackle, guard, well, center. Already, they have plays set up for yep. him in terms of being the 6-0 lineman or the quasi-tight end. He's he, he's not the backup center. Wiz would be the backup mm-hmm. center, but they're still developing as a center. So um, that's so that's eight right there. Yeah. And, they, and, and you, you could just keep eight. And, and you're going to have Vitae and, and Siamalu. Active, active on game on day. Game days. So, do you keep Chance as a guy who's inactive on game days just for depth, or do you go with younger developmental Stout's guy? He's, he's Jeff Stoutland's guy. He's a, he's a more than competent run blocker. He's just mm-hmm. not very good in pass protection. We've seen that throughout one on ones. This camp, he, he struggles in that regard. Um, so maybe you keep him. Maybe he's the ninth guy. The question is whether Jordan Malata sh- shows enough promise because you're not going to put him on the practice squad. If Why he not? shows well, enough promise, if he shows enough. Yeah, that that that's the. Sign. I think that's the question. Can you put him on the practice squad, or like, is someone going to carry him on fifty three? Because he's he's not ready to play in a game. But you'll you'll know if he's good if he's on the fifty three, and not because they expect to play him this year, because yeah. they need to protect him for a year 
Until he's ready. And I would also say he's not someone who's like a phantom IR guy because you want to have him in practice. Like, IR players can't practice. Um, I, I guess if you have him as a phantom IR guy, he's around the team, he's learning the game, right. and then you have him for next training but game. But he needs to practice. But he needs to practice. So you want him on either your 53 or your practice squad. I would think he's a practice squad candidate unless someone, uh, unless you feel someone's going to poach him and keep him on the roster. Unless he shows enough potential. Like, and there's times when you look at him, you're like, he does better in team drills than he does in the one-on-ones. He really struggles in the one-on-ones. I think he might get Joe Callahan hurt in, in, in a preseason game. Or not. I, I, I don't want to say well, hurt. Well, some of them are just, bad. I mean, yeah, some, like there are times when he just whiffs. Yeah, yeah. totally whiffs. So. I, right. I have one question for you yeah. though, before we wrap up. We got here, yeah. Um, okay, because minutes. this is the Hall of Fame weekend. Oh, yeah. A lot of people are going to be watching that. I, I, I would just say to our listeners, check out Paul Domlich's, his series on great. Brian Dawkins. But you've been around here for a while. Is there a Brian Dawkins memory that jumps out to you? Yeah, I mean, I only was around Brian in terms of covering him the one year. So he left the year I you know, officially got on the beat. So it was like 20, 2005, and he was hurt that year a, a fair amount, I think. Um, Dawkins... Um, I you know remember they retired his number. I just thought we did a lot of interviews with those, and he just kind of, that was the first time I really kind of did a long interview with him, and I was impressed just by the way he handled himself. You know, last year he spent a lot of time with certain players mm-hmm. and helping them. Um, and you saw that behind the scenes, behind of, the yeah. scenes, and you know, um, and a lot of them said that you know when Brian spoke, they were apt to listen, and he had a lot of good tips for a lot of guys on the defensive side of the ball. I think that played a part in why he's no longer with the organization. I wonder if. Maybe some other coaches thought he was overstepping his bounds. Um, but in terms of Brian Dawkins, the player, I mean, you know, I mean, what else is what else is to say? Yeah. I mean, uh, he gave it his all out there. You know, I, I guess uh, it, it was the fact that he had two locker stalls. There you go. That's a good one. And there was no other player yes. that I've ever seen have two locker stalls. You know, like so like just so, you know, for the listeners there at home, Eagles locker room is not very big at the Novacare complex and, it, and it's a long, it's almost like a long hall. And then with lockers on each side and there's only so many to make like maybe 70. So there's 90 guys on the roster during, during training camp. So you got like 20 of these stalls um, in the middle of the room, in the middle of the room that they, they pull out once the season starts and you have fewer guys. So they actually give Brian Dawkins still a second locker uh, to me says a lot about him and that one locker stall was basically just for his um his uh figurines hmm. so like it was like spider-man yeah. and weapon you know I, yeah, I, weapon x or yeah. well yeah. the wolverine. Wolverine, yeah, wolverine wolverine was this guy yeah it was basically all the x-men that's basically yeah. where that's where he kept and they gave him basically his own locker stall <laughs> and but i just remember you'd walk in and like when brian when brian spoke everyone you know everyone was around always around his his stall and he was always more than willing to talk with anybody um in the media, I mean, he's, there's a lot of Malcolm Jenkins in Brian Dawkins in that regard. You know, when when he speaks, you listen, and that was that was basically Brian Dawkins. That was my only little, little two cents. I'll be able to speak, I'll speak a lot better about Asante Samuel when he gets in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Is he getting in the Hall of Fame? No, he's not. You'll be able to speak about Jason Peters and, and maybe Darren Sproles. I, I'll yeah. tell one my one Asante story about the Hall of Fame. So, like two years ago, I'm sitting in like a, a restaurant right before the Eagles about to play the, the Bears in the preseason. And Asante calls me up out of the blue. I'm just like, hey, what's up? He's like, hey, so um, I'm looking at my stats here. And, you know, there's only so many cornerbacks that have as many interceptions as I do over my career. He's like, you could tell Paul Domowich, and Paul has the the, um, the, the, vote. the Hall of Fame vote. 
for Philadelphia. You got, you got to tell Damo. And I'm, I'm like, Asante, it's still three years before you're in the ballot. <laughs> He's like, I don't care. I'm going to start laying the groundwork now. Uh, I think Asante's going to fall short. I think he'll, was he was this his first year? That I'm not sure. I think it's next year. I think he'll be like on that. They have a first. They cut it down to 70 guy, five guys. I think he'll be on that. I don't think he's ever going to make it to the final 15. And, and Asante was a really good player, opportunistic, um, but he lacked certain um, skills to be a Hall of Famer, in my impression. All right, that's it. All right, guys, uh, that wraps it up for us. Uh, one more practice this week. Then they're off Saturday. Then they're back at it on Sunday. That's not really that's, – that's a – I don't want to say it's not a real practice because fans will be there. It's at the stadium. But yeah. the stadium practices, they're usually in shorts and shells. It's a different type of practice than what they're at. Right. Home. And just, they just don't have as much space as yeah. they have here at the Novacare Complex. But uh, we'll probably talk next Monday for you and uh, get a podcast out then. Thanks a lot. This is the Birds, Birds, View, Birds View Podcast. I'm Jeff McLean, and that's Experiment.